This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. HPE upgrades Superdome with SGI NUMA. An Australian supercomputer adds Power 8 cluster. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. And, Michael, This Week in HPC, this is something that we said might happen when HPE completed its acquisition of SGI just about a year ago now, right before supercomputing last year, SC16. We talked about the continuation of the SGI product lines and how they might uh, amplify the HPE product lines. And one thing we theorized about was the future of the NUMA interconnect and how it might play in for some of their business critical types of customers. And now we're seeing the first iteration of that with the announcement of a new Superdome Flex, which brings a lot of the SGI NUMA technology from the Altex UV line over into the HP Integrity Superdome. Right, they've added the uh, the Superdome Flex brand, and it does do exactly what you say. It brings the NumaLink uh, technology from SGI into uh, what was a, a more traditional uh, HP or HPE system, and it's using the new Xeon scalable processors, the what we call the Skylake processors, some of the top end there. That it goes up to 28 cores, and basically this system will offer up to 32 sockets per system image and up to 48 terabytes of memory. So it's it's uh, it's for in-memory computing, things like SAP HANA and other uh, in-memory database types of applications. And that's that's where it's aimed at. Basically, the, the enterprise customers, not so much the HPC side of it, but the uh, the mission critical applications that are common for for businesses. And this is only part of some of the innovation we're going to see drawing on HPC technology for the Superdome Flex line. We're we're thinking they're going to be integrating NVIDIA GPUs into this as well, right? Right. They've got the capability to, to put the GPUs in. They're probably going to eventually qualify the Volta, the, the latest technology GPUs in there. But yeah, they've got the capability to add those. And of course, GPUs are not just for accelerating uh, machine learning and, and uh uh, HPC simulations, but databases themselves. So that's probably what it'll be mostly used for here: database type acceleration uh, and the type of high performance analytics that are that are common to some of these applications. This is something that we talked about, as I was saying, back when HPE acquired SGI. SGI, of course, had tried to target a lot of these in-memory database and SAP HANA types of applications with the UV line when it was part of SGI, but SGI didn't really have the channel or the brand license for selling into those areas. Of course, HPE does, and with the integrity line in particular, they cover that space. It's not a problem with the technology. I think in-memory computation is a natural there, and in particular with the GPUs, the timing is right there just as AI is starting to move into a lot more of these enterprise applications. We're talking a lot about the SC conference coming up next week, and of course that's going to be the, the big show for us, but it, it should also be noted that SAP is going to have its Leonardo uh, event in Barcelona uh, the same time next week, and we're expecting to hear a lot about AI moving into the SAP line. This is exactly the kind of thing that HPE wants to be targeting with the Superdome Flex. Yeah, exactly. And and I think this the way they positioned this, it looks like this architecture, the, the Superdome Flex, 
will eventually supersede the other Superdome lines they have. I mean, this is, I think this is the, the technology going forward. They might keep the other ones active for a while. The, the uh, Superdome X uh, right now offers 16 sockets, not with the NUMA technology and slightly different uh, chipset, I think. But um, I think this is sort of the future of the Superdome line, and, and uh, that's why they're, they're bringing this out uh, with the upgrade to the Skylake uh, CPUs. Now, it, it sort of makes you wonder, since they're putting the Numalink in, what's going to become of the UV line? Of course, the, the SGI UV line is, is an older line. It's the in-memory computing basically aimed at the HPC crowd. Do, do you think uh, how, how this sort of move is going to affect the, the ultraviolet uh, systems? Yeah, I think it makes sense to keep the high end of the UV line as something that's separately branded for the HPC space. And that has to do with the management of these larger scale single system image or single kernel systems with a single memory space. Now, the low end, the UV300, uh, HPE has said that that's going to move over and be part of this HPE Integrity Superdome Flex line. And that makes sense there. But notice that they're saying that that goes up to 32 sockets right. at the top of the product line. I think that makes sense in terms of what they want to have be a standard product. If you make them, I, I, they should have every capability of building them larger than that 64 sockets, 128 sockets. I think that's something that they're very capable of building. But anyone who asks for something like that, um, you know, there are trade-offs, in particular with RAS and mean time to failure when you have a single kernel image starting to scale that high. And the hallmark of the HPE integrity line is in those uh, RAS features. And with Superdome Flex, it's not just that they're moving the SGI hardware over. They're keeping the firmware, the RAS functionality, the uh, the, the management uh, um features of the integrity line so they're really trying to blend those together if they've got an enterprise customer coming in saying yeah we'd like this but we'd like it to be 64 sockets 128 sockets rather than have that be a standard product i think hpe is going to want to have a conversation about all right do you really understand what the trade-offs here are what are your big goals do you want one big one do you want two medium ones if it's all about performance would you rather have an SGI UV 3000, or do you really want it to be a Superdome? So it gets a little more into the the uh, the consultative sales process that, again, HP is very capable of having a, a services-led approach to those types of customers. Right. I mean, the, the bottom line is reliability like that doesn't doesn't come for free. And, and like just talking about the UV 3000, that, that system today scales up to 256 sockets and 64 terabytes of memory so uh theoretically a much larger system than we're talking about here but again uh not with the ras features that are that are inherent in the superdome line so you don't have uh sort of that that overhead to deal with so you can you can scale up and uh, so like you were saying there's a set of trade-offs there so it becomes a conversation with uh, what the customer wants, what the application set is as far as what he wants to achieve. 
Yeah, so it, it's just a question of what the, the customer is going to want, and I think it makes sense for them to keep both brands going forward um, and keeping the Superdome and Integrity lines in that business-critical space and keep the ultraviolet brand in the traditional supercomputing space. And HPE seems to be following that strategy, and we'll, we'll get to hear all about it when we get to Denver next week. But meantime, Michael, we had another story this week in HPC with the Rigen supercomputer in Australia getting an upgrade. That was already a kind of a heterogeneous system, but it's getting even more so with an upgrade to include some IBM Power 8 processors. Right. That was actually Australia's biggest, or it is Australia's largest computer. It's, uh, I think it's like 1.87 petaflops peak and Limpac a little bit below that at 1.67. And that's the largest supercomputer in Australia and actually in the Southern Hemisphere. That was before the uh, this, this Power 8 cluster or subcluster was added. The, the existing system was uh, based on Fujitsu Primergy uh, servers as well as Lunovo uh, servers as well. Those are on somewhat older um Intel processors, but uh, the existing infrastructure there was in place before this this year. Now, IBM didn't talk about how big this subcluster was of Power 8, uh, and they didn't even get priced on on, uh, what this cost. But no doubt, if they ran Limpac again, this is going to be a bigger system. Uh, They didn't mention any additional GPUs. There were some GPUs in the original system. Uh, This looks like a pure Power 8 uh, system as far as the, the nodes themselves. So it, it might not be that much more in flops, but it is going to be a bigger system now. And basically what they're pointing to is this gives them a little more capability on the memory bandwidth side. So that can help certain types of HPC applications run much faster. Now, when we talk about heterogeneous computing, this system seems to be taking it to a bit of an extreme. Uh, they've now got two different vendors and multiple processor architectures with Intel and IBM and and NVIDIA components. So if they're gluing all this together for a single top 500 run, that's going to be an interesting run. Yeah, I mean, they've got got to uh, somehow base all this. I mean, they've got Xeons, they've got Xeon 5 processors, and they've got NVIDIA Tesla GPUs, and now they've got the Power 8s in there as well. So if they're going to run Limpac or you know, forget Limpac, any application that they're going to try and use the whole system, that becomes uh, somewhat of a uh, of a stitching operation to do all that. I, I have a feeling when they run applications, actually real-world applications, they're going to use one or the other uh, subsystems um, in, in general, I think. They're not going to they're not going to try and share those across the whole whole system unless there's specific tasks they can break out. So the, the power the power eights themselves are going to be used for like I, I implied before, things that uh, were the, the memory bandwidth and the memory speeds were were sort of the limiting factor on some of these. And they, they ran some benchmarks on some of the HPC applications they're running at this facility in Australia, and they, they were able to eke out better performance on those memory-constrained codes. Yeah, you pointed that out in your article on top500.org that that was really a driving factor in choosing the Power 8 architecture as its superior memory bandwidth. But I agree with you that this actually could wind up becoming a blueprint for general research supercomputers where you have a wealth of different application types that you need to run. We already know from our previous research studies that 
uh, users are going to look to suit different application workloads to the processing architectures where they run best. So I really doubt that the point is to run single applications across all these different processor types, but rather that becomes a resource pool where you're drawing on the right, uh, the right processor architecture for a given application. Right, and I think one thing IBM is pointing to here, although, like I said, there weren't any GPUs uh, apparently in this cluster they added, that the opportunity here was for researchers doing uh, not just scientific applications, but machine learning as well, where the memory bandwidth is, is, is certainly a critical part of this. Um, I think IBM sees uh, that machine learning, as it integrates into HPC workflows, is going to be a big deal, and uh, it's a heterogeneous system like that could could prove sort of critical for that. So they're going to run like sort of the pre-processing for the simulations using machine learning and then do the machine learning on another part of the system. So these heterogeneous systems, I think, are going to prove their worth as as sort of these applications and these workloads become more complex. All right, Michael. Well, these are all uh, discussions that we're going to carry into SC17, which is coming up in just a week. We'll be in Denver. Now, we've got one more regular podcast that we'll get out the door before we meet in Denver. But when we get there, we usually record a couple of special episodes during the show, and this is no exception. And in fact, at the Beowulf Bash, where Intersect 360 Research is one of the cornerstone sponsors, we're going to be doing a live audience recording of This Week in HPC, We'd love to see you there. The Beowulf Bash this year is being held Monday night, 9 p.m. to midnight. That's November 13th at Lucky Strike. It's a bowling venue. That's at 516th Street, an eight-minute walk from SC17. And you can find the information at beowulfbash.com. But in particular, we'll be talking about the 50th iteration of the Top 500 list, which is going to be announced just before that time. And as part of that podcast, we're going to have a live interview with Horst Simon, one of the progenitors of the top 500 list. So we're really looking forward to that. And if you have questions you'd like to hear answered on that episode of This Week in HPC, hit them on our Twitter handle at This Week in HPC. We'd also like to let you know about our Intersect 360 research reception, which is also going to be on Monday the 13th, but in the afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. at the Tamayo Restaurant Rooftop Terrace at 1400 Larimer Street, Denver. Just say you heard about it on This Week in HPC, and we'll be happy to let you in, and I'll be glad to see you there. Michael, are you looking forward to Denver? I am. It looks like it's going to be a really uh, exciting time, and I'm really looking forward to that podcast uh, live at the Beowulf Bash. That, that ought to be a lot of fun. All right, Michael, we'll see you there. We'll get one more episode out before that. But until then, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.